Welcome to the Illuminate Faith Podcast. My name is Dave Exley. I'm Isaac Mundy. And I'm Doug Peck. And I am really excited about this week's episode. Uh, I had a conversation a few weeks ago with Caroline Lewis uh, from Luther Seminary. She is the Associate Professor of Preaching and the Marbury E. Anderson Chair in Biblical Preaching at Luther Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota. And uh, you may know Caroline from uh, her work with the, uh, the Sermon Brainwave podcast, uh, they've done over 500 episodes uh, of that podcast, a weekly podcast resource for preachers uh, out there. Uh, she has been on every single episode, so really we have podcast royalty uh, sharing with us uh, today. Uh, Caroline is also the author of the mo- her most recent book, which is uh, She, Five Keys to Unlock the Power of Women in Ministry. Uh, which I'm hearing great things uh, about that uh, that resource, and so I'm just thrilled that uh, that we have Caroline's uh, wisdom that she's uh, sharing with us uh, this week, and um, look forward to uh, to getting some feedback from folks as they uh, as they ponder all the richness of what she has to share with us. Any any thoughts, guys, as we head into the conversation? I can't tell you how excited I am for our Illuminate Faith listeners. Also, Dave, I, I'm imagining. Um, the the average working preacher, as, as she calls them, enjoying this episode, enjoying what she has to say. I, I'm also just loving the way you structured your questions, and and I'm picturing people that have never been to church that that you know think they love this thing called faith, but are not totally sure. Want want a little bit more out of it because she just really introduces that that person who's never been to church as to why you should love sermons why you should love scripture and why it matters. And she's got some great answers. So I think, I think if you're in either category, a working preacher, never been to church, you're going to love this episode. So let's get right to it and uh, get to my conversation with Caroline, and uh, we will share some thoughts on the other side of the interview. Enjoy. So Caroline, thanks so much for spending some time with us to, uh, to talk about preaching. You are very welcome. Glad to be here. So, um, first question for you. I had a professor uh, in seminary that challenged us to think about uh, why we use the Psalms so much in worship. We had a great discussion about that, and, and I'm thinking about preaching, and I'm wondering about applying that same question to preaching. Why, why should preaching be a focus for Sunday morning worship? Why preach? Well, that's a, that's a big question. <laughs> Uh, I would say two things come to mind, though. The first is, I mean, when we think about why preach, particularly now in our context, it is the one place that people can hear what is it. What does it sound like to interpret the Bible or to read the Bible for their lives, right? And so, to to hear the way in which the Bible actually can be a resource. Um, for making sense of their world. Um, and they're all theologians, right? They're, they they don't know necessarily that they're theologians, but they're theologians in that they're looking at their world and they're trying to make sense, like what, you know, what, what could God be up to here? And so as preachers, we're modeling in part, we're modeling what is it, what does it mean to take this biblical text and see ourselves in the text and our situation in the text? and how that situation is uh, quite similar to what we experience now. And then, uh, and then what is God's truth in that? How does, God, how does God respond to the realities of our lives? And so it's a, it's a snapshot of what I think 
you want people to be able to experience in their lives. Uh, so that's the first thing. And I think the second thing is there's nothing really like it in their lives where they are uh, told um, the promise of of an unconditional grace and love and mercy. Um, and when you think of what people have to go through during their week and uh, how often do they get um, that the, that kind of unconditional love uh, said to them, uh, I think is rare. And so that truly believing that um, that the sermon is this God showing up, right? God showing up, uh, Christ's presence among us and saying, I love you. I, I, it, that's why it has to be pretty much at the center of the worship service. <laughs> and, and I'm wondering, I'm thinking about biblical preaching uh, here at Luther Seminary with this uh, event, uh, the craft of preaching uh, here for 2016. Uh, you're uplifting as you've done year after year biblical preaching. And I know in my own context, there's questions about that. We have preachers that you'll hear from time to time that they seem to steer away from that and question whether, you know, why should we preach biblically? Uh, why begin with the biblical text? Uh, so maybe you can talk about that a little bit as well. Why, why biblical preaching? Well, uh, in part because a lot of preaching isn't biblical. And, and what I mean by that is in the way in which some preaching the Bible is simply a jumping off point to either like 13 stories that are included in the sermon, or it's, it's, a it, 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 it's reduced, the biblical story is reduced to some sort of moral truth or that you could, you know, Leander Keck says you could just as easily find in a fortune cookie. I mean, it's not, it's, uh, it, 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 it's, um, it's only a, it's only sort of a reference point rather than that which shapes worlds and shapes reality. So a biblical sermon, when we talk about biblical preaching, it really, uh, does mean, um, a, it actually has a question of or gives a statement to uh, the authority of Scripture, right? And by authority, it does. I don't mean like the Bible is authoritative because it's authoritative because it's the Bible, you know, the Word of God, which is kind of a circular argument, but that actually the Bible has authority because it functions in our lives. It It is... It, and that's what biblical preaching needs to do that and 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 has to do is that the story is not just a story that's interesting but it actually creates a reality and it creates um an ability to be able to say you know what i can take that story in the bible or i can take that passage in the bible and it i can actually see that story helping me navigate my world um, and it's not just one little truth or one little statement, but this the way in which uh, the human human beings interact with God, and so that we can actually see that present. And so, biblical sermons will be absolutely, completely immersed in that text um, and its details and its dynamics and. Uh, the the way in which it invites us in to see us, um, that it's telling the truth about ourselves as well, right? And so that's um, and so if we if if we claim that the Bible is authoritative, 
Um, it's not enough just to say, like I said, it's not just a, not enough to say, well, it's authoritative because it's the Word of God. The preacher's job is to help people think, oh, okay, it's authoritative as the Word of God because it actually helps me make sense of my life. You obviously hear a lot of sermons. Uh, you listen to a lot of sermons uh, as a professor and as someone who's thinking about preaching quite often. What do you think derails most sermons? I think uh, a lot of sermons are uh, safe. Uh, they they default into doctrinal beliefs or some sort of dogmatic claim or some sort of denominational commitment that the preacher knows is a safe place to go. So, for example, this is a bit of an overstatement, but for example, you know, any text that has water in it, well, we can talk about baptism. Well, again, that's such a, that's an over, that's a simplification of the biblical text. And so I think sermons really go derail when they, when they reduce the biblical text to like sort of these timeless truths that are, that are, um, that actually are church made and not biblically necessarily made. Uh, I think another thing that derails um, preaching is um, an inability to trust in the biblical text. So that the actually, you know, that that the that the Bible is like this jumping off point, and then you have all these stories. Well, what that communicates is that you actually can't trust the Bible to um, to preach itself, and and that actually the Bible really isn't relevant. And so, but the Bible creates its own relevancy. And so um, I, sermons get derailed when you immediately see that they actually don't trust the biblical text. Um, and it's, it's, they might as well be preaching on, I don't know, the phone book or something. I mean, it's, that's, that's how important it is. And I think another thing that derails um, preaching uh, nowadays is um, not taking seriously the fact that you're bring you're 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 inviting people into a discovery of 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 this text of what you might have found in the text or um, or you experience actually experiencing the text. I think sermons get derailed when they just end up being a point that you could just as easily have emailed people. Right. Um, and, and without creating this actual experience or believing that God will actually show up. In your workshop today, uh, which I had a chance to attend, uh, you focused on some tools to help preachers make their sermons memorable, uh, which is a key thing because I think a lot of sermons aren't memorable. Um, can you give us just a snapshot uh, of, of what you shared today? Yeah, sure. Uh, I the the focus of the of the uh, workshop was preaching to remember, and that uh, part of our job as preachers is to facilitate memory. Uh, that we actually do hope that people will remember something that we had to say into into Monday morning, uh, but that doesn't come naturally. Listening is really hard work, and so we have to tend to. 
aspects of preaching that really do uh, show that this is an oral experience. This is not. This is not just something on. You, you can't go back and read it. It's, you know, you've got to be able to keep that in your head. So, what we focused on were rhetorical devices that we can use in our sermons that are that are rather basic, but really can make a profound difference for memory, and actually are embedded, of course, in classical rhetoric but are demonstrated and exemplified in the biblical texts themselves. So repetition, you know, we tend to we tend to be a society that fears repetition as as if that's simplistic, um, but simplistic is not the same as simple. And so repetition is your best friend when it comes to memory that you repeat things uh, and that you uh, that you are okay with that, that you that you figure out ways in which to repeat your point because listening is hard work. We also talked about how you can uh, create memorable sentences for your preaching, um, particularly if if you want to have someone remember your point, <laughs> assuming you have a point. Uh, having a point is always a good thing. Uh, that could be another thing that derails preaching, right? You're like, is there a point in this sermon? You know, how many points do you need? Uh, because gone are uh, gone are the days of three points in a poem. I mean, you just one point for people to remember. But it. Uh, I, th- I think sometimes we think, oh, yeah, of course I, I said my point, but we actually don't because we're reading it, but we don't think about how difficult it is to hear. So can you create one sentence that people could come away with? That, And that means tending to skills like uh, alliteration and... Uh, and rhyme and rhythm that, you know, we have we have nothing to fear but fear itself. You know, I mean, these sort of sentences that sort of live on in our culture. Well, why? Because they're memorable sentences. So it, it, could you have like at least one for people to remember? And then the third thing we talked about was how to create uh, imagery in your sermon because you that's what you're doing. You're creating a picture, right? You're creating an image, that people can see and so and experience and so how do you do that uh, in your in your in your description and one of the ways to do that is to think of uh, the concept of a word hoard where you have you know say the primary focus of your sermon is on trees okay well I don't know why that would be the case but let's just make that up as an example then what are all of the words that you could use in your sermon that have to do with trees. Well, you could talk about um, maple, and you could talk about bark, and you could talk about trunks and branches and leaves, and so that you you create this um, collection cloud of words uh, that then um, function very similarly to, similarly to repetition, but um, are creating this image throughout your sermon, and so that that word hoard or that collection of words actually becomes the vocabulary for your sermon. So those were the three things that we, reminding all the way, all, reminding ourselves that the biblical texts are oral. You know, they were written to be heard and not read. And so uh, if, we, if we ever wonder how to do it, you can go back and read the text and they'll help you. <laughs> That's great. I, yeah, those tools I think are, are going to be helpful in my own preaching. And so thank you for that. Um, 
I think one of the biggest questions that people have uh, today when it comes to preaching, and I know this is something I always wrestle with as a, as a young minister, is um, how much time <laughs> should I spend on the sermon? I think that there, there once was a day, I mean, in my own hometown, we had uh, a, uh, a minister who would you know close the door on Monday morning, and you really wouldn't see him all week long. And of course, then we have folks today who you know, spend very little time on the sermon because they really feel like they're called to do all those other things that uh, that people expect that they not spend as much time on that. Um, so I, I wonder if you can enlighten me a little bit and those that may have questions that might be struggling with that. Is there a, a hard and fast rule when it comes to, uh, to how much time to spend on the sermon? Mm-hmm. Well, another another sort of formula used to be uh, an hour per minute. So that was another, but that's also, to what extent that's un- unrealistic as well. I also have a colleague who says, actually, you are never not working on your sermon, that the entirety of your week is living this text and you're seeing things all the time. You know, you're whether you're visiting someone in the hospital or someone who's homebound or you're teaching confirmation or whatever, that text is just consistently in your head and you you are in you're interacting, you know, you and the text are in a dialogue then with your your ministry. And so so that's the other to say, no, you're you're actually you're always working on it, but that's probably not very um comforting. Uh, so, but I, but really what you, uh, you're right. I mean, there are, there, there are those people who wait till Saturday night or whatever. And, uh, and then, you know, expect the sheer, the spirit to show up. Um, and, but you know what, the spirit's rather busy. Uh, and my preaching professor, uh, back in the day said one, one should not tax the spirit too much. And, um, and so, but it's, it's your responsibility, you know, it's a huge responsibility to see how this, how you can help these texts get incarnated in people's lives. So I think in part it, it, it does come down to sort of a personal process, um, knowing what your process is. But what I always say in my class is you have to protect your process. So if you need five hours, you set aside those five hours if you need 10 hours, you know, and and that you have to build that into your week. So if, um, if you know, if Tuesday morning is a great time for you to work on your, on your sermon and say Wednesday afternoon and Thursday morning, that you block out, you know, those couple of hours, each of those times. And if somebody says, you know, can, oh, can I meet with you or whatever, you say, no, I have, an, I have, I'm sorry, I have an appointment. Now they don't need to know that that appointment is with your sermon because now I think the expectation is you don't, you don't prepare. Like, what do you do? You just kind of stand up there and like talk for 20 minutes, you know, they, that I don't know that there's an appreciation for how much time it takes. Uh, but, but the main thing I think with, um, with sermon preparation is to know your process and to protect it. And so, and to, and not to feel guilty about putting that in your calendar and saying, you know, you, you can say, no, I can't meet Tuesday morning, but I could meet Wednesday morning. Right. And then you've, um, you are, uh, you're giving yourself that space to be creative, to, um, to, to, uh, 
invite the spirit to show up. Uh, but that's the main thing. You have to protect whatever your process is. That's great. I'm wondering about also, uh, you know, a new, we're entering kind of, well, we've been entering this new um, space as it relates to preaching where, you know, we've got screens <laughs> available to us. Uh, I'm mindful of at the event here, Tom Long, you know, who's been preaching and doing great work for, for many years, you know, for the first time uh, used uh, multimedia within the context of his, his sermon. Uh, but for many of us, there's an expectation, you know, to, to use the screen um, I'm wondering if you can share some thoughts uh, on that because I find that I've seen screens derail sermons. I've had that happen in my own uh, process, but um, yeah, when have you seen it work? Uh, what uh, what do you have to share with us about that? Well, my litmus test for anything included in a sermon, uh, whether it's a story or an image or an illustration, I'm not a big fan of that term, illustration, but... Um, or uh, uh, something on the screen or a prop, you know, like you're going to talk about rocks, so you bring in a bunch of rocks, I mean, I, whatever, that it always, the litmus test is always, does this, does this actually serve my focus? Does it actually help people to remember and get what I'm trying to say? If it doesn't, then I'm not really sure why it's there. And I would say the same thing for all the exegetical work that you do, you know, in preparation for the sermon. You find out all these fascinating things about, you know, whatever, about ancient Palestine. And it's interesting. And it, yeah, but it's maybe interesting, but is it, does it actually serve your purpose? Does it actually serve your point? So that's my litmus test. And the so I again, I would say that whether it's PowerPoint, whether it's screens, whether it's, you know, um, spinning plates. I mean, it, wh whatever you, whatever you're doing, whatever you're including, that's what it has to be. And if it really doesn't, then, then why, why have it? What is it doing? Because if you're using the screen just for the sake of using the screen, uh, that doesn't seem to be in service to facilitating God's word to be heard. And the problem with sometimes with screens is that uh, it's sort of a conflict, uh, it's a conflicting sensorial experience. So this is a profoundly oral experience, but then you're having people look at something. And, uh, and so that has to be, that, that has to be balanced really carefully because if you have a lot of words up on a screen or something like that, but yet they're trying to hear your words, they're trying to read and hear at the same time and that doesn't work. Uh, and so... But like a very well-placed image, you know, um, uh, about your sermon or one that you want to like put up there and say, okay, let's look at this. Well, how is this, how does this painting, for example, interpret this text? Um, and, and particularly if that painting interprets the text how you're interpreting it, right? If it's, if it's focusing on an angle or a perspective on the text that you are that's the that's the primary point of your sermon, then that can be great. 
That's great. I, I will now scratch uh, spinning plates off of my uh, <laughs> schedule for Sunday morning. <laughs> Had hoped that. Um, okay, one more question. Uh, besides the Sermon Brainwave podcast, we need to plug that. Uh, what do you think is the best resource out there for preachers? And I know there's a thousand resources, but is there something that you've come across that uh, that has really been helpful for for new preachers? Well, uh, the website textweek.com is invaluable. Uh, that's going, that's uh, Janae Woodard's site, and that is going to, she's a, um, a curator of all things preaching for that Sunday. So it, it's from everything from artwork to articles to reflections to commentaries. I mean, it just is a wealth of information that I think is um, indispensable. Um, for it, the hardest part of that is sifting through and figuring out what you're going to read and not read. And that's why, you know, working preacher is uh, kind of nice because you just have one commentary on each text. And so it's a little less overwhelming, right? Um, I think another resource that I would recommend is day one, uh, dayone.org that has sermons, uh, commentary on the texts uh, for each week. And uh, that's uh, run by Peter Wallace out of Atlanta. So that's a good site. And another one um, that's a very different kind of resource out there, and notice that I'm all, I'm naming, you know, mostly web stuff, obviously, but um, the, uh, the other resource, again, is very different, is a, uh, a resource from Odyssey Networks, and it's uh, called On Scripture, the Bible. And it, the authors are, and I've written for it a couple times, the authors are specifically charged with engaging the text, uh, what, whatever text they choose, the RCL check, text they choose for that week, uh, with the intent toward how does this text, how is this text interacting or intersecting with um, current events? So they're looking the text through that a very particular lens. And sometimes that's the hardest thing for preachers is to, how does this connect to what I'm experiencing, you know? And so it shows you kind of how to do it, but it also gives you sort of a sense of, oh, this is a direction I could go. Um, and I like that. I, I like that resource. It's, again, it's, it is a commentary on the text, but it is so focused on, you know, when you think about some of the events that have happened in our in our world recently, Black Lives Matter and um, you know the shootings, and um, it just it takes those it takes those events and says, okay, how, what what is how does this text speak into it? So that's another I think I think great resource. That's great. Well, I thank you so much. I, I know that uh, certainly the the Sermon Brainwave podcast is a real helpful piece for me. And when you talk about carrying the text with you throughout the week, one of the processes or the things that seems to work for me is read the text, listen to the Sermon Brainwave podcast the Sunday before I'm to preach, and what a helpful thing that is to get my mind going. So thank you. And I know there are probably a lot of our listeners that listen to the Sermon Brainwave podcast. So thank you. Uh, for all the work that you do on that. And you're at how many episodes now? 506. 
I and, believe, yeah. And I've been on every one of them, so. <laughs> yeah, wow, and you're only the only one of the three that has been on all of them. So uh, a veteran podcaster, I bow down to you. And <laughs> thank you for all the work that you do and really appreciate you spending time with us. Thank you. It was great to be here. Well, what a great conversation with uh, with Caroline. And uh, so a- as we sort of uh, come back together here, wondering what uh, what your thoughts are, I-, I know I really enjoyed that conversation with her and it uh, provided a lot of helpful insight uh, uh, into the craft of, of preaching. So uh, thoughts, gentlemen. Yeah, you know, I think like uh, one of the things that really stood out for me and one of the questions that I really appreciated you asking her, Dave, was uh, like, what is the importance around uh, biblical preaching? And sometimes we can almost feel like sort of, uh, I don't know, a bit gun shy around being around the biblical text. And uh, uh, part of it can be that it's, uh, you know, it can feel so foreign to us or we wonder like, are people even going to really be listening? But there's so much like, uh, power and energy in that place that we we find the stories of God and God being with humanity in the world. So I just, I don't know, it really helped me thinking about my own preaching in terms of, okay, how do I, how do I always renew that and reconnect with uh, uh, that fundamental story of who we are as a people of faith? Yeah, I, I know that, um, I don't know whether you guys find this, but when it comes to the, the, the preaching that I do, it seems like the, the 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 sermons where I'm staying rooted in the biblical text, uh, if if it's been done well, and it's not always, you know, I mean, we have their challenges from week to week, but uh, but when I think about those those really good sermons where that seem to, you know, I got good feedback, it seemed to resonate with people. Often it's the ones where I've really stayed rooted in the biblical text throughout the whole thing. It's not been the ones where I had a, a great anecdote or, or, or a story that I shared uh, from my own personal life, but it's the ones where I really took the time to carefully unpack that scripture text. And, and that says something, because so often I think we assume that, uh, oh, people don't want you know, the Bible's boring and this and that. Well, it's not, actually. If you really, uh, if you know the biblical text, you know just how rich and and wonderful and incredible it can be, especially when, when it, you know, we look at it as a companion uh, for our faith journeys. Um, but, but yeah, it's been those moments where, where I've stayed rooted in the text that it seems to have resonated with people, which I think that says something. It's, it, it confirms what she, uh, she shared with us about the importance of biblical preaching. Yeah. I think too, like, I liked what she was saying in terms of, uh, you know, wanting to stay safe and, and how do we figure out how to move beyond that feeling of wanting to be in that space of safety and sanitizing things. And I know particularly for myself, uh, like in terms of my ministry context, I'm a minister of youth, young adults and families at, in our congregation. And so a lot of the time when I'm preaching, it's when there are kids of all ages there. And some of the stories from the Bible are kind of disturbing. Like we were looking at that text of, you know, the Exodus and thinking like, how much do we bring in terms of, you know, the story of the last plague or any of the plagues or different things like that. And yet I look at my own son and some of the stories that he's most fascinated and kind of engrosses him are some of the gross out stories of the Bible. Or even I remember one of the first drawings that I did when I was a kid was uh, we were supposed to draw our favorite Bible text. And I kind of freaked my Sunday school teachers out because I had this image from the book of Revelation of like God with a double-edged sword in his mouth (laughs) and stuff like that. And like, you know, maybe 
it, part of our life of faith is this is one of the places where we can begin to encounter some of the things that trouble us and yet really draw us into what it means to be a human being with all of the gross and disturbing, but also joyful and hopeful things that um, move us beyond uh, uh, those places too. It almost sounds like we, the, the congregation, they're ready to be unsafe. You know, people coming to hear these sermons, they're ready to be unsafe. They, they, they're ahead of us. It, you know, we might be worried. It, it reminds me, my, my wife is a family doctor and she has this statistic that, that family doctors and healthcare professionals often think that our quality of life is, is two points lower um, than, than what the patient actually believes, uh, you know, that, that when we look at others as caregivers, as spiritual caregivers, as, as health caregivers, we think they need to be more safe when actually they're more ready than we know. Uh, that, that was powerful to hear her talk about, you know, having the bravery, having the courage to go there. And, and, and again, back to what she was saying about the authority of scripture, you know, not that it's this, you know, it's the circular argument that, that a lot of people just are buying in this day and age that it's the authority because we say so. Well, people need more than that, especially when there's people out there that don't have an experience of church. And she's saying to us that it's, it's authority lies in the fact that it functions in our lives. And I think we all had a call to ministry. We all had a call to a life of faith, wanting to deepen that life of faith, because we felt it function in our life. We felt, you know, my daughter had this great line the other day, how are you supposed to follow Jesus if he's not around? Well, you know, we all had this experience where these words functioned in our lives and they were living and then we wanted to follow. And, and if it did it to us, wouldn't it do it to other people if we, if we threw it out there and, and went to that unsafe place and echoed the words and related them in a different way? Uh, well, and I, I think that staying rooted in the text as I think about it, 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 it kind of demit, like the average person sitting in the pews doesn't, they're not sure, I think, how to approach the biblical text. I mean, we think about the Bible, we think about that thing that's in the drawer in the, you know, the hotel room, in the, the bedside table drawer. We think about something that we, someone puts their hand on to make an oath. And and I'm not sure that's the best image for for what scripture is, because it, it, it sort of it prompts us to think that it's it's so separate from us. It's and an it's, object. Yeah, and the, and the stories in there have no connection to our lives necessarily or that they stand so much, like that perhaps staying rooted in the text helps us to demystify it a bit and it, and it gives people permission to say, you know what, these stories are not, or this text is not meant to to be there as the moral authority, which I think a lot of people think it is, but it's it's sharing stories and the rawness of life and, and the, um, you know, the, the trouble and the, I mean, to sort of look at our own Paul Scott Wilson, uh, who will lift up. And I mean, I think his preaching style of the four pages of the sermon, the, you know, uh, trouble in the text, trouble in the world, grace in the, in the text, grace in the world. I, I love that format because it keeps us rooted in the text, but, and, but when we stay rooted in the text, we're able to, uh, identify what's the, what's troubling by this. And I think giving people permission to find the things that are troubling within the text helps them to ponder how that might inform their own th their own living 
and their own faith lives and their own beliefs and things. Uh, and the more we stay rooted in that, the more we inform people and we give them permission to see the Bible for what it really is. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense in terms of, you know, also just thinking, like as you're saying that about looking at, so what's going on in the text, what's going on in the world. Um, I mean, for me, um, when I preach, I do find that that is hard to figure out what is the balance then. And um, because we're called to be rooted in the text, but then how do we also witness to what is going on, what, what God is actively doing in the world um, right now? And how do we do it in a way that's not kind of just gimmicky or like, oh, that worked three or four or five weeks ago, so I'm just going to keep on doing this and yeah. kind of becoming just this pattern of... Uh, um, I, I don't know, like I try and think of ways like, okay, if there's going to be a five-year-old in worship, how do I capture their attention? But how do I continue to do that in a way that isn't just about keeping their attention, but is also about um, talking about both the text and stories in the world that could be transformative for them? And you talk about transformation and the story that comes to mind for me and the power of the the narratives and the stories within scripture and the images um, within scripture. I think about Jürgen Moltmann's uh, story, the great German theologian who talks about being uh, a, you know, he was a soldier in the German army in the Second World War and was a prisoner of war at a very young age, I think 18 or something like that. And his, you know, transformational experience for him was when he was in the, uh, when he was a prisoner of war and the chaplain uh, in the, I think it was in Scotland, uh, handed him a copy of scripture and he opened up and found the Psalms of Lament. And here he heard these words that spoke to his heart in a way that helped him process his pain and 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 really just, I mean, I, I think that that's, that's a great image because we have people in, in our context that it, they may not be experiencing the same thing that, that Moltmann experienced, but in a similar way, they're experiencing pain in their life, they're experiencing trouble in their life. And that story, I think, speaks for me. When we go, like, the Psalms are a perfect example. You go to the Psalms, and there are times when we find trouble in our lives and, and we're really in, in a deep hole that the Psalms can speak to that place where we find ourselves in and can be a companion for us in a way that, you know, Reader's Digest just cannot be. And so there, there is a power, I think, within scripture, which is which is key, I think, to stay rooted within that. And, and there's something about, additionally, you know, the, the idea that as a preacher, you know, what I'm starting with is not my own story, but I'm starting with something that that is beyond myself. And and although we may not look at that and say, oh, it's God's written word, written, you know, breathed into the lives of those who wrote the scripture text, but it's, no, it's it's starting my journey with someone else, you know, and, and ha having them, you know, travel with me. So, yeah, I think the biblical preaching thing is an important thing to talk about. Let's, let's uh, you know, we talked a, a little bit about technology and, and that type of thing. I, I'm wondering, because I think that's in our context where we see a lot of churches, I know my church, you know, years ago added uh, uh, audiovisual um, capabilities and things like that. And, and in a lot of cases, and this is the reason why I wanted to ask Caroline about this, was you, you feel that pressure to to incorporate that and and to do it effectively. And, and I wonder how you guys uh, uh, manage that, uh, whether, whether you're using technology regularly or, uh, you know, PowerPoint, whatever it might be, and, and whether that's helpful, not helpful. 
what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I, I think that like for myself, a lot of the time, the way that I approach it is I almost think about like, okay, <clears throat> what would it have been like for people back in the day before there was like any technology whatsoever? What were the visual cues that they were taking and thinking about people, you know, being in big cathedrals and uh, and looking up at the stained glass and even those stationary images that they would be able to look around? And I think that's often how I approach how I want to be able to use visuals in terms of screens and, and different things like that is I, I'd like to have like a few really key um, meaningful images that people could uh, turn to, reflect on, reflect with um, the text so that it's almost like a, um, it's kind of like the, the right and left hand in terms of playing the piano or something, something like that, that uh, the message is being conveyed through yeah, words, but then good. it's also um, there almost like a stained glass window that would be up on the, up on the screen. That's often how I approach things in terms of, uh, in terms of that. I, very often I will have uh, few to none. And, and it was so helpful for me for you to ask that question, Dave, of Caroline. And, and, you know, she really gave this raw experience to the listeners that, that if you've never heard a sermon before, you know, it's this simple thing that's been happening over eons and, 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 and that you really don't need those visuals. If you do have them, that can be helpful. Um, but but if you have bad ones, that can be unhelpful to uh, to achieving what we want to achieve as preachers and in, in communicating the scriptures in a way that that reaches people where they are, the functioning in their lives. And and um, uh, I, I I'm just imagining you know ministers out there that that maybe aren't as comfortable with uh, with uh, modern technology just be, having a huge sigh of relief because. Oh, you know, I don't need that. You know, if it's helpful, then good. And it doesn't have to be, you know, huge smoke and lights. But, um, but you know, and, and I'm mindful that there are visual people out there that it'll help them get deeper into it. And so if it's helpful, good. But but let's not overdo it. Yeah, and, and I, I think that better to spend, your time is better spent on finding that. And this is where she talks about, you know, how do you create a memorable sermon? And that's something that... Uh, you, you, we kind of take for granted that question, I think, that uh, that we assume that, or we, we don't even think through as we're crafting our sermons or as we're, um, you know, committing them to memory, whatever it is that we're doing in our, in our process for, uh, for putting together the sermon, but we don't think too often. But what, what's, the, what's that one thing that they're going to take away, right? And I think that's a helpful piece because so often we're throwing so much at them, especially if we're doing PowerPoint slides where we've got like 40 slides and, uh, and, and, you know, like how you know, do, do we expect that all those images are going to be remembered by them? And, and if we can simplify it and say, what's that one thing? And, and I actually, you know, the times where, you know, I have a quote that I share that just fits perfectly within the context of the, the sermon topic, uh, if that's all they get, then that's, that's great because they'll carry that with them. If that's something that they can commit to memory, Fantastic. That's all they need to know. If there's a song that I connect to it uh, or something, a line from that song, perfect. And, and so I guess there's a, when we think about that simplicity when it comes to the audiovisual element, uh, the technology uh, element, um, I think that fits also with, with reminding us that when we're crafting that sermon, we better come up with what is that one thing that they are going to remember 
Um, and if we can say it over and over again, what a great thing that would be, or, because that's going to be helpful. And if there's one thing that you can remember from this podcast, or two things, it's the Bible rocks. Keep it simple, yo. <laughs> and, it, and if there's another thing to remember, it's those phenomenal resources that we have in Working Preacher. If Dave, could you, could you shout them out? Yeah, yeah. Go to workingpreacher.org, uh, and uh, on there, you know, you'll find. I mean, it's it's such a great, uh, helpful resource uh, that you can go to each week. On there, you can find the Sermon Brainwave podcast. If uh, if you just you know if you, you don't have a podcast app that uh, that you're able to do that, you can go click on the on the main page of the Working Preacher uh, website, and you can get to uh, to Caroline and. Uh, uh, her her resource there, and so yeah, I find that to be particularly helpful. A lot of great resources, a lot of great voices that are sharing uh, reflections on on each of the texts uh, for each week, and so uh, use that uh, as a helpful resource uh, in uh, in crafting your sermons. Well, I, I think that's about it, and, and I think that uh, we've, uh, I know I've been enlightened by, uh, by Caroline's words uh, today, and, and hopefully you have been as well. And so I guess with that, we'll, uh, we'll bid you adieu and, and say, uh, have an illuminated day.